Is this thing on? Are you ready, Matt? You're listening to Box Office Binges with Matt Diaz and Ernesto Santos. Good evening, folks. We have a wonderful evening's entertainment lined up for you. We know each other. He's a friend from work. Hello and welcome to a very special episode of Box Office Bingers. Ernesto, not only are we ringing in the new year in 2024 with our first episode, but those who are keeping a keen eye on the episode number we are at today, this is episode 200. Ringing in the new year with some style. Uh, with so much style, Ernesto, it's worth a little celebration for it. Oh, here it is. Oh, yeah. There we go. I like those moves or not. That's good. Great. Oh, yeah. Um, man, this 200. That, wow. Can you that, believe that? I, I, and I we're still here. And we, we still haven't said, you know what? <laughs> we're not doing it this week. No, it's like we're st- we're still here doing our thing. So it's been a lot of fun. I've, I'm very excited for this year. I feel like every year we get. I feel like I always say we're gonna be more prepared. Like I feel like the Oscars is a big is a big part of the year for mm-hmm. us. And uh, I'm I'm already. I feel way more prepared this year than I did last year. And last year I felt very prepared but i yeah. feel like going in this year like i'm ready to go i yeah. mean it, it's, and it's we're kicking off this year with a great movie we we are and well it, you're right and tell all the listeners before we dive into it tell all the listeners what movie we are reviewing for week this week oh so for 200 we are reviewing pretty much this was my most anticipated for 2023 it was and that is they i mean i i, I was talking about this months months and months before um, and that is, we are reviewing The Iron Claw, starring Zac Efron, Jeremy Allen White, Lily James, Harris Dickinson, Stanley Simmons, Holt McCallney, and Mara, Mara Tierney, written and directed by Sean Durkin, um, Martha Marcy May, Marlene, and The Nest. Uh, yeah, um... I cannot wait to have this conversation with you. Like, literally, I found I I posted on my on my Instagram like there was this TikTok I saw of this guy, and that perfectly summed up how I felt watching this movie. Where it's like, oh, I think like I know I knew nothing about this family. Yeah, and I went into it going, oh, I'm just gonna watch a sports drama. We're gonna, you know, we'll see what happens. Like how they were big in the wrestling field, and then after the movie, it's just like holding your head down like like having to process what you just saw and i feel like this is i i'm i'm so excited to have this conversation like you know i, I think I re- what a what a great story like i'm i can't wait i want to uh i i meant to take a screenshot of it for it so you can put it on on those who are watching on youtube and for those who don't you can watch this entire episode on youtube right now at box office binges uh but i meant to take a 
uh, a clip or a, a screenshot of the text messages because I, <laughs> I was <laughs> I was I'm looking at it now. It says uh, blah, blah, uh here we go. Uh, let's do this. Okay, you, you said you said this. All I'm, so let, let's so let's get a backstory before we start this, right? Okay. So at the end of last week's episode, we were like, what are we going to review? And due to timing and when we wanted to review the next episode, or we wanted to record the next episode, our options were limited. So we really wanted to do Iron. We talked about doing poor things for the Oscars, but the times were working out. So Ernesto kind of gave in and was like, I guess we're going to do Aquaman 2. <laughs> <laughs> Which I, I gave a good argument for because we reviewed Shazam and The Flash and Blue Beetle. Only makes sense if we rounded out. <laughs> Maybe not the best way to start 2024 because <laughs> so far the, the reviews have not been great about it. And so far I have not been jazzed up about any DC movie that came out last year. Uh, but for the for the most part, we were you know we're going to commit to Iron Man 2. I'm sorry, Aquaman 2. So that's what we were going to do. The next morning I get a text from Ernesto saying, hey. I was able to pull a few strings. We can. I want to review Iron Claw, and in my head, it's like, wow, Ernesto really didn't want to review Aquaman too. <laughs> I mean, no, but yes. I was like, but you know what? He, for, whatever he for, had to do, he made sure he did it, so he wasn't gonna watch Aquaman too because you haven't even seen the first one. Well. Funny enough, Mark, what you're watching? Oh. I saw we. I have a double feature. We saw Aquaman and Aquaman Two. Oh, okay. And I have, <laughs> and I have things to report back. I have finally seen those, but that I, I want to go back to. I want to go back to yeah. what you. I want to hear what you have to say, sir. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. So right now we're on. Uh, and so right now we committed to the Iron Claw. I get a text from Ernesto saying, "All am I gonna? Uh, this is quote. All I'm gonna say is wow." And then he says, next text with an iron claw and then eyes open emoji. And yes. I said, and then and then I responded with, so what I'm hearing is that you are happy you didn't see Aquaman 2, right? Because <laughs> like to me, to me, that sounds like a positive like reaction to the movie that he just saw. And then you responded with, LOL, I don't even know if I can say that. I, I really don't want to give anything away, but damn. And in my head, it's like, I, I instantly show this to Megan. It's like, Megan, I think I think he would have would have rather watch Aquaman too. It was oh. so it was so vague to me. I was like, he, he was he was like, yeah, I like I I don't even know if I can say that because I, I I now and now we were like, what was this? This was the next day. Yeah, we watched the movie Saturday night. And in a packed house, mind you. It was oh, yeah. pretty busy. Mine too. <laughs> In and the I'm middle like, of the day, my theater was packed. <laughs> we went out at seven thirty, so it was like understandably like a little bit busier on a Saturday night. But I was like, man, I I didn't know how to take that. I, I I was expecting to see like a pretty good movie, and then after I saw Iron Claw, I was like, oh, I see what he means. Yeah, I get it. Oh, I get it now. <laughs> I get it now. I get it now. Um, so yeah, needless to say, we are both uh, very excited to talk about the Iron Claw. I know that. I mean, you were talking about this movie for months that you yeah. wanted to watch. And so I'm glad we were able to work this out. But I'm also in our what you're watching. I'm also really excited to see Aquaman 2. I told you, I was like, look, I don't care what we see. I only got time for one movie in the theater this week. So you, whichever one you're going to do. So I'm actually surprised that you had time to then watch The Iron Claw and also finish up on Aquaman and Aquaman 2. And Aquaman, you hadn't even seen for years. So I'm surprised you no. doubled down and watched that one as well. I did. And I I will talk about it and what you're watching. Yes. But... Um, I, have, I have things to say about 
the Aquaman series in general. Okay, fair enough. All right, so before we dive into the Iron Claw and before we dive into our What You Watching segment, we're going to be diving into some entertainment news. Now, since it's the new year, not a lot has been coming up, but there's one particular character that has been sweeping... sweeping uh the the headlines at least on my feet anyway and it's mickey mouse and i i have props ernesto i have actually i have a pop right here of said mickey mouse and and the specific version of mickey mouse we're going to be talking about steamboat willie um and for those who don't know you're also wearing a mickey mouse shirt i am also waking wake waking no you're waking Uh, a mickey mouse i'm waking (laughs) i love you man Oh, this is going to be a fun one. This, this oh, one, yeah. This, this is what episode 200 is all about. This, we have fun here. We're going to wake a wiggy mouse. All right. <laughs> I am way. <laughs> I am wearing a Mickey Mouse t-shirt specifically for this story uh, because it's kind of a crazy one it, it, to some degree. I had fun reading it anyway. Um, for those who don't know, Mickey Mouse is no no longer belongs solely to the Walt Disney Company, as an early version of Mickey Mouse has now entered the public domain. As of January 1st, 2024, Mickey Mouse featured in Walt Disney's 1928 short film, Steamboat Willie, has entered the public domain for the first time. The good-humored rodent, which has been synonymous with the with the Disney brand for nearly a century, has grown and, and, and has grown into one of the most iconic characters in American pop culture. But since U.S. copyright law has last updated by Congress in 1998, allows copyright to be held for 95 years, Disney's sole claim to the character has officially ended. Which is an interesting law. Like, no one company or one entity can control a character forever for more than 95 years. Like I don't know, I don't know why. I mean, you created it; it should be yours forever. So why does it need to be? Like, I guess because it's going to be I, so. You, it's because at that point, it's. I don't. I mean, I don't know. It's interesting, but maybe it's already a part of culture that much. Like you can't, you can't stop everybody forever from trying to recreate it in their own way, which we are starting to see. I, <laughs> which we yes, which we'll get into in a second. But I just find it's an interesting law, especially like obviously throughout the years, iconic characters have been going into the public domain. We saw it uh, two years ago with Winnie the Pooh, which we'll uh, briefly talk about. Um, and then uh, a video that I was watching saying that Tarzan, Sherlock Holmes, and Frankenstein are all now in the public domain. And we've seen movies um, you know, use those characters in different ways, um, especially Frankenstein. They've been utilizing that one in like various, like like either sp- like spin, not spin-offs, but like different iterations of what Frankenstein can mm-hmm. be. And I guess at that point, it's sparking creativity, right? Like the, the character has been around for so long that whatever it was representing before now it could be maybe something else in the future. And also 95 years, that's a lifetime. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's so, a whole lifespan. So, I mean, at that point, that yeah. person, I guess, cause that the person who created it will, is going to be gone at that point. That's very true. No. But in this, in this sense, the, the version of Mickey Mouse, specifically Steamboat Willie, um, from the short Steamboat Willie, um, is now in the public domain. While we might start seeing more of Mickey, there are caveats. Um, in a statement to CNN, a Disney spokesperson said, more modern versions of Mickey will remain unaffected by the expiration of the Steamboat Willie copyright, and Mickey will continue to play leading role, a leading role as a global ambassador for the Walt Disney Company in our storytelling, 
theme park attractions, and merchandise. There are differences between the 1928 Mickey and the company's mascot today. The Mickey of Steamboat Willie lacks the current Mickey's gloves and oversized shoes, and his eyes are small black ovals without pupils. So, th so that so the version you see here on YouTube is pretty much the only version you can use. You can't use like even looking at my shirt. There's like the overalls here, the boots, the gloves. None of that you can wear. Um, it's solely the black and white versions. I mean, they but it's enough. Color it's, on it. The shape of the face is enough. Absolutely. It's is, is re is really all you needed. <laughs> yeah. And um, other characters to hit the public domain as of January 1st, 2024 is J.M. Barry stage version of Peter Pan and Tigger from the Winnie the Pooh novels. Tigger will join Winnie the Pooh, who just recently entered the public domain back in 2022 and was already made into a sledgehammer wielding monster and the 2023 horror film Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. And Ernesto, uh, uh, yeah, there's that graphic. That's the movie that came out last year, uh, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Um, I heard it was awful. People had reviewed it, and it was, it, it was, it was a cheap IP to make. Yeah. Like, it, had somebody had to be the first. Yeah, exactly. And I think. <laughs> What we're about to dive into next is kind of that sentiment. I, somebody, all these different companies wanted to be the first to use the character just to generate these headlines and the reason why we're talking about it right now. Um, so, yeah, so Blood and Honey got its, uh, Winnie the Pooh, unfortunately, got his horror debut. Now, <laughs> here's Mickey. Uh, it comes to no surprise just mere hours after Mickey Mouse entered the public domain. Nightmare Forge Games announced a new horror video game featuring Mickey Mouse called Infection 88, a one to four player co-op PC game. Infestation. The bio re Infestation, I'm sorry. Uh, Infestation 88, a one to two one to four player co-op PC game. Uh, the bio reads in the year 1988. What was thought to be an outbreak of rodents in various locations morphed into something far more sinister and um you can see that there i don't know why the rodent is wearing pants and a hat um but well the hat solidifies it, it a little bit more yes um and yeah we as you can see there it's uh pretty terrifying uh, not really not that bad but still a, a version of mickey you would not see out there in the world i should say um the game also promises more twisted versions of classic characters and urban legends. Uh, and it will be released sometime in 2024. So the video game market has now entered, uh, has now started this. But if that wasn't enough, a new horror comedy, a new comedy horror film called Mickey's Mousetrap, uh, a trailer for that movie was released also yesterday on January 1st. Um, and it features a murderer with a Mickey Mouse head going on a killing spree that bio reads it's alex's 21st birthday but she's stuck at an amusement arcade on a on the light shift so her friends decide to surprise her but the mass killer dressed as mickey mouse decides to play a game of his own with them which she must survive that was an awful description of that movie <laughs> um whatever it was but yeah so now He's a horror figure in <laughs> in the video games, and now now he has his own 
movie as well, where he, I, I don't know why that's the first reaction is just to do the complete opposite of what the, what these characters are known for. It's like, you've been in the children's eye for too long. Now you need to be a horror icon. Just to be different. I mean, cause it's, it's, it's because it's the polar opposite because that's what makes it mm-hmm. so intriguing. I mean, look, we're talking about it right now. So now they, yeah. now they just got free publicity. I mean, I guess it worked, but you know, where I'm not gonna watch it, but I'm gonna at least, at least, <laughs> at least I know about it. <laughs> yeah, at, at least you know it's coming, right? Yeah, it's, you won't like, be surprised. Like, oh, it's a what's thing. That? That, it's a thing that's happening. <laughs> um, and and if that wasn't enough, another untitled horror comedy that's set to pre, uh, set to begin production this spring sees a sadistic Mickey Mouse tormenting a group of honest, unexpected fairy passengers we can see him there looking <laughs> looking to cause some havoc i guess i don't know if this is an animated thing or not but that's the image that i guess they release it seems like it will be something animated but like a yeah i mean this actually that actually looks i don't know it's interesting i'll say interesting i was gonna, i sure wanted like I, like I, it's almost interesting like almost I, interesting. Like, like this would be the only one that I would just based off this shot alone. I could say, uh, I'd be interested to, to at least see what the reviews are and what it what what some of the screenshots look like. You yeah, know? and it's it's not the same. So I saw the trailer for both Infection or Infestation eighty eight and Mickey's Mousetrap. They both had trailers for it, and Mickey's Mousetrap looks awful. <laughs> it doesn't look good at all. Um, uh, Infection eighty eight just looks like. And Infestation 88, um, it looks, it just looks like a cheap horror game. And I, honestly, it looks like earlier versions of Five Nights at Freddy's. Like That's you're just walking saying. around this thing and then a monster comes about and tries to kill you. Like, that's what it looks like. So I, I think, I think all of this is just trying to get ahead of that. Hey, Mickey Mouse is now in the public domain and we want to start making, uh, content around it so i think very similar to like winnie the pooh blood and honey i don't think this dilutes the brand of mickey mouse at all uh i think he'll always be associated with disney and the icon that he is um but this we're entering a new world when it comes to the mouse so <laughs> this is uh, well i mean we'll see we'll just we'll see what happens i, I know i'm definitely not gonna play that game or watch that movie maybe this one maybe if it's if it looks interesting uh, what, what the video that I was watching, uh, a lot of people were saying this is kind of a full circle moment for, I guess, Mickey Mouse and even Walt Disney in general, because a lot of the animated classics, the movies that he did uh, back in the day were also off of the public domain. Mm-hmm. Like those were grim fairy tales that he then turned into these very light, kid friendly versions of those stories. And now. You know, those stories were already in the public domain, so those were out for many years. And then Disney took what was available to him for free, turned him into these classics. Now, almost 100 years later, with some of these movies, those characters are now cemented into our reality, like our generation. True. We don't associate, say, like Snow White to the grim fairy tales. No, we, we associate that with, with the Walt Disney Company. Uh, yeah, you and, do if you care enough to look into that specific story, and so you go, "Oh, that's from this. That's where they got that mm-hmm. from." But you don't, you know. But you don't. Pay, there's probably more than people realize. Exactly, and I'm sure there. I mean, even Peter Pan. I'm not sure if he ever had a dark turn, but 
that was obviously there was a stage play mm. that was also that just went into the public domain. So like these characters have been around and then but Disney just made it into its own. And now you think that, oh, Disney created these characters like not all of them. He definitely created Mickey Mouse, uh, but definitely not some of the more more known movies that came out of this. But I don't know. I find it interesting because now something that Walt created has now reached its 95 year mark. And now it's available for anyone to use as like he did back in, you know, a couple of years, like many, many years ago. So I, I, I get it. It's kind of a full circle moment. Yeah. Now let's see what, who he can inspire to be the next hit. That's very true. And, and I'm sure, and this is like, we're recording this episode on January 2nd, shortly after the new year. And we already have these three projects announced. Yeah. I can only imagine what else is <laughs> what, coming. Yeah. <laughs> what else is coming? But hey, good for you, Mickey Mouse. You, you're doing you're doing that. You're you always be a friendly mouse to me. Oh boy, <laughs> that was bad. Oh boy, oh boy. Uh-huh. gotta go. Uh-huh. Time to die. <laughs> like, what is he gonna say? <laughs> uh-huh. I'm gonna cut you up, boy. <laughs> Don't go down that hallway. <laughs> Wow. I think I'm done. <laughs> That's terrifying. <laughs> oh, uh, man. So there you go. Yeah. Thanks, Mickey. Thanks, Mickey. Or Steamboat <laughs> Steamboat Willie. Steamboat Willie. That's yeah. Right. Whichever. All right. Moving on. Regal Cinemas is now offering a new deal on popcorn and drinks that will last through the entire year of 2024. Matt, this is news for you. This is news for me. Yes, introducing you don't go to Regal, Regal at all. No. Re, introducing Regal Refillables. The reusable popcorn tub and soft drink uh, gives you affordable refills through 2024. You can get the popcorn bucket for $26. And the soft drink cup for $16 or get the combo for $38, saving $4. Regal, Regal Crown members can get the cup for $14 and the bucket for $22 or get the combo for $32. Bring your, bring your, Regal, bring your Regal refillables. That's such a mouthful to yeah, say. Yeah, it is. I brought my Regal refillables <laughs> <laughs> with you whenever you see a movie to get a popcorn refill for $6 and a drink refill for $4. Or the combo for ten dollars every time you go to the movies in twenty twenty four. Now that's a good that's a good one right there. Doing the combo. Oh, ten bucks. There you go. It's not Easy. bad. No, especially if you go all year. Somebody mm-hmm. who's like yourself, a part of the a part of the crew. Yes. You can buy the you can buy the tub and cup separately or purchase the combo and they will come filled with popcorn and soda on your initial purchase. This I mean, this is obviously great news. I do th- not I don't. I think that AMC does something very similar. I've actually, because it's just recently that I started to notice that that they sell these souvenir tins, but I mm-hmm. for very similar prices. But it's something that I've never looked into. But I guess, I mean, I just don't. I don't know. Because sometimes I go to the movies and I don't. I don't eat anything. I just bring my bottle of water. I go sit down. I watch the movie and then I leave. So it's only yeah. like on certain occasions that I that I'll even entertain the idea of having popcorn or a soda, because then you get the then you yeah. get the popcorn but you get the popcorn belly, and then you you know it's just you know it's not fun. Then you're you're like full, but then not full, <laughs> right? Yeah. So I can't I can't eat popcorn on an empty stomach. I just I just make me more hungry. Yeah. Right. Um. But I don't. I found this deal interesting. Right. This even if you're not a member. You spend twenty six dollars on a on a refillable bucket that now you have to three things you have to remember to bring it you have to clean it and and like and then you have to use it so 
most buckets, you know, even the souvenir buckets, you take it home, you don't take it back, you don't bring it back. Mm. But but I, but I see I see the value in it. I mean, you're you're helping save the environment. You know, you're gonna come true. Like somebody like yourself who's gonna come all year. Like now you have mm-hmm. something that you can bring. Like you paid one time, but now every other time you go, you're okay. I just it's ten dollars. I just have to bring this tin with me forever for the rest of the year. Now it'd be nice yeah, if you didn't forever. have to do that. It'd be nice if it was forever. I mean. But, right. you know, you got to buy a new one every year. Like, that's not going to want to work because let's say you've been doing we've been doing this for five years. You're going to have a collection of buckets for every year. Like, <laughs> like, what do you what it, like? How pretty is this bucket? Like, is it is it like a nice metal tin one? Like, are we are no. we saving at that point? Like, why do I need to get a new bucket every year? Like, I, I don't know. Like, though, I guess the more I think about it, the more I realize it doesn't make sense. <laughs> so that right the photo that you see there is pretty i saw it when we went to go see the iron claw it was like available to purchase and it and it's basically plastic it's like a hard plastic uh container mm. so it it's not it's not not tin it's not metal it's and the same for the cup it's like a hard plastic so like that's not something i want to carry around like every time or keep in my car or anything that's not i don't want to do any of that mm. but uh, there is some value to it as a regal member which anyone can be a regal crown member um, it's free. You don't have to pay for it. You just reap in the benefits of it. Now, if you have Regal Unlimited, which I have, that's what you have to pay for. That's $22 a month or $23 a month for uh, unlimited movies throughout. You know, that, that, that's, that's the deal. Um, but this one, I think they're kind of tailoring to the Regal Unlimited members because they go to the movies quite of often, course. which makes a lot yeah. of sense. Um, but for 20, and then I looked at the price of how much a large popcorn is. And I would say that this is about a, in the, the it's large would be, and what a medium would be. Size wise, the size wise, yeah, the bucket. I mean, that's a hundred, hundred and sixty ounces. That's a lot of popcorn. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. Oh, that's right. I did say yeah, hundred and sixty ounces. Um, it is a lot of popcorn. Don't get me wrong. It's not saying that you're getting skimped out on popcorn because you're not. Um, but the the. The small is not for some reason it's nine thirty. It's not like an even price. So mm. if you want a small popcorn, it's nine thirty. A medium is ten thirty, and a large is eleven thirty. So yeah. So when you purchase the buck, the popcorn bucket, you're basically purchasing the bucket that you would have paid for two popcorns, and then from for two large popcorns, and then from there it's a six dollar refill every time you go to the movies. So essentially, you're getting half off every time you bring the bucket. Yeah. Uh, if you want popcorn. But then let's say, okay, let's say if you have a family of five or six and you yeah. know, our month, our thing we do either once a month or whatever, or twice a month, whatever the case may be, they decide every month we're going to go to the movies. This would be something that they could buy mm-hmm. because then, you know, oh, we can just get one of these, we share it, and then you you empty it, well, you have to go to the stand and go get it refilled. Like, because you can, I mean, that's the deal, right? Yeah. Or is it $10 every time? Yeah, every, so every single time you want to refill it is 10 bucks. Yeah, if you're getting, it's worth it. if you're getting the combo. But also, if you buy a large popcorn in the theater, you get unlimited, you get free refills. Yeah. So I would, ho- I would hope that if I'm there for the day and I already spent my $6, that's that, if I happen to finish it, that should be free. I shouldn't have to spend another $6. Because then I just spent the value of what a large popcorn would have been. Mm, very true. Um, very true. So there's that aspect. I, I just find this very interesting. Obviously, is Regal another ploy to get people into the theater to actually buy concessions? I think that's the big one. They want you to buy the popcorn. Um, 
and it is affordable. I, I will admit that. I think they're also banking on the fact that you're not going to come back <laughs> with that bu- with that bucket. <laughs> yeah, you're going to forget. You're going to forget. But I will say, I mean, without even looking into AMC's, AMC's, whatever they have is better because they, I mean, they had like the Aquaman one. They had mm-hmm. like the Willy Wonka. Like, they had like Willy Wonka's hat that was a popcorn bucket. I've, and I've seen throughout the year, I've seen different themed ones. So that's at least, they at least got a leg up there. Yeah, and I and I have Regal does have like their. I don't think they have as many, but they have like these toppers, and every now and then you have like a big popcorn like tin bucket that they do. I know AMC has a lot more, um, but Regal every now and then like I saw like a saw one. I'm like, who the hell wants a saw popcorn bucket? <laughs> um, but sure, I think I saw one for the. <laughs> I think I saw one for the Marvels. They definitely had one for uh, the Taylor Swift. I mean, the, Taylor Swift killed it with the of merch course. in the theater. Um, but yeah, this is interesting. And so anyone who's a Regal member um, or who's going to the Regal and you and I feel like if you think you're going to go to the theater and get popcorn more than four times throughout the year, I guess it's worth it. True. Yeah. Or if you, you know, you go with you and you and your significant other and you guys always eat popcorn every True. single time. And that's, I mean, that's it right there. Yeah. I don't know. It's but, fun. Doesn't, doesn't apply to me. It doesn't. It's no. good news, good news for you. But to your <laughs> point, like, you know, like yourself, you have kids and like, you can all just start that. That could be a, a very cheap way to get a, a lot of popcorn in, in the theater. And to your point, cause I, I, I agree with you. I, every time we go, cause we go quite often, I don't get popcorn every time I go in. I'm here. Look, I got a mission. I got my water. I'm here to see a movie and I'm out. For real. Like that's. <laughs> So much easier too. It so is. You don't have to wait in line, and you don't have to. Uh. None of that. Anyways, yes. Um, All right. Yeah. So, as we say goodbye to 2023, we're saying goodbye to some more popular TV shows that have been canceled or coming to an end. What we do in the shadows will be coming to an end on FX with its upcoming sixth season in 2024. The long-running HBO series Curb Your Enthusiasm announced that its upcoming 12th season will be its final season and will premiere on February 4th. Curb Your Enthusiasm has lasted for over 24 years, starting back in the year 2000. Uh, I actually, I watched a lot of the earlier seasons. Mm-hmm. I never watched any of the any of the last stuff. It, it's pretty funny. I I think Larry Larry David. It's just one of those situational comedies. Yeah. That that just works. So, but it's one that even though it's ending, like you can you can definitely you can go back and rewatch. Yeah, and enjoy. Absolutely. And also, like, I mean, you've been going on for 24 years. I believe he has an open deal with HBO. Like, HBO was going to renew as many times as Larry David wanted to wanted to uh, create the show. Like, it was an open-ended contract. And it's like, you want to keep making the show? We're not going to stop you. And so it had to be him who decided that we're, we're done. Mm. Um, I mean, which we saw because it may originally ended and then he mm-hmm. came back. Yeah. So not to say that he can't do that again. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe or maybe he'll come back and just make it'll be another sh- it'll be another, another show. show. Makes sense, yeah. Which I'm I'd be down. I'd be down to watch. Absolutely. Uh, also Apple TV, uh, Matt, you're gonna be very sad. Yeah. Canceled the animated musical comedy Central Park after three seasons. Did you watch all three seasons? No. Have you watched the first or have you no, you haven't finished it? Uh, honestly, you- we stopped midway through season two. Like we were keeping up with it and then we it wasn't the the gimmick was over like it was mm. it was very formlamatic it was like it was three musicals in a 30 minute sp- span and i feel like some of the episodes weren't as as good as they were before i th- i think 
what the appeal of the show got lost after the first season. So yeah, it wore it wore off real quick. It yeah, seems like. I, I feel like so. I mean, at some parts were funny, but it started to get less funny. And so the fact that we never finished season two and didn't even start season three, it makes sense that uh, it got canceled. I understand it. Yeah. So uh, that uh, as Central Park as well as the show Swagger is going to be ending after two seasons. Disney Plus canceled The Muppets Mayhem after only one season. TBS canceled their Daniel Radcliffe lead comedy series Miracle Workers after four seasons. Stars announced that the crime drama Hightown will end after its third upcoming third season. ABC announced uh, that the upcoming seventh season, seventh season of the Grey's Anatomy spinoff series Station 19 will be its last. And CBS announced that its popular series Blue Bloods will be coming to an end after its 14th season. So, but, you know, every, every, I mean, everything eventually will end. So, yeah. you know, but it's, it's better that they end it before it gets to a point, before it gets to that point. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and obviously I never watched Miracle Workers. I feel like, uh, like the, that was on TBS. It looked interesting, but looking at that poster now, I think that was the most recent one. That that show has definitely gone in a way different direction from when I remember watching the trailer for when it started. So maybe for that for certain shows it already got there, <laughs> like already went crazy. Uh, I know what we do in the shadows, a hugely popular show. I'm actually surprised that that's ending. Um, I don't. Maybe that was where the creators wanted to. I feel like that show could have been going on for years and years to come. Um, and then Blue Bloods. I've never seen a show of that, but 14 seasons, one hell of a run. I want to say that my wife watched she's watched that show before because it's like one of those procedural crime dramas and it's i've caught mm-hmm. a few episodes it's i mean it's not bad it's pretty good yeah um yeah i mean it's it's like you said it's very formal um like it's procedural it's like it's like i feel like for some people it's like comfort food correct especially if you're lasting for 14 seasons like you know where you're getting out of this you want more of it i mean is that the tom Selleck? i think I believe yeah. so yeah I mean the same thing yeah, like must... like Grey's Anatomy, which is still going on. That that that's a, yeah. definitely a procedural. Like, who's coming into the hospital? Mm-hmm. What are we What are we fixing in them, and how are we going to relate that to whatever this character is going in, going on in their life? Boom, that's the yeah. episode. And you know what? It works, but people love it. I it mean, because they're it works. It's the story of the week. But also, it, it's crazy that it, like a spinoff version, Station Nineteen, lasted seven seasons. So a spinoff of Grey's Anatomy that's still going on lasted. As had a had a very good run, and that's not and the so that's like, not the uh, only one too. They had the, no, uh, there more. was a private practice. I think that was mm-hmm. that was one of them. I, I could be missing. I'm not really big on Grey. I've never watched, but I did hear of that. I did hear of that one. Yeah, I feel like cable television is these like catering to an older audience, like your Grey's Anatomies, your Blue Bloods, your CSI, your your Chicago Fire Med PD, <laughs> like. All those type of shows, like they have their audience. Law and Order has those audience that kind of live on cable because that's where people go to watch those shows. It's like, um, it's like a, NCIS. I look at them as like modern day soap operas, but they, mm. but they, they're just better. You know, like they're yeah. just yeah. better made, better story construction. Like, like doing, you know, like the soap operas they have their audience, and this is like the next generation of that, and it's just better than what what was before it. If that makes any sense? Yeah. Yeah, I mean it makes sense. I mean, as long as people are watching and the ratings are good and butter, they're not gonna they're gonna they're gonna keep putting it out until for whatever reason they're gonna cancel it. But now as you see all the more watched popular shows are now 
making its way over to the streaming. And so like those are the shows that actually have like deeper storytelling that probably have more funding at this point. Those shows are probably, you know, you know what you're paying your actors, you know what raises they're getting, you know what shows you're doing, you have your staff writers and they have an endless amount of procedurals that they can come up with to make this show ongoing and lasting forever. So like there's there's TV for other people and then there's TV for other people. So uh, but as with everything, everything comes to an end. And so, yeah, there you go. There you go. And speaking of end, that's the end of our new segment. It week. is. That was that was the worst segue <laughs> I think I've ever had, but it was the only one I got. Well, well here. now we're going to. Uh, well, let me, uh, what would we say here? Um, if you want more entertainment news, there you go. There you if go. you want some more entertainment news, you can always follow us on our social media channels on Instagram at box office underscore bingers, as well as our threads page at box office underscore bingers and our Facebook page at box office bingers. We'll post all the latest and breaking news over there first, and then we'll come back on the show and we'll talk about it. So with that, I'm really excited for this segment now. <laughs> We're going to be diving in to a fun segment we like to call what you're watching, Sir Ernesto. Please tell me. Please tell me about Aquaman. Oh, but you know I'm not even gonna start with Aquaman. Oh I'm man, gonna, okay. Yeah, you're getting you're getting teased, sir. Right, fair enough. What we got first? So, but I will start with the day. So we on mm. New Year's we did a double feature. We we actually saw Aquaman first, and we saw Wonka second. But okay. I'm gonna talk. I'm gonna talk about Aquaman. I'm gonna talk about Wonka first. All right, all right. So we saw Wonka. I actually really enjoyed it. Okay. Um, it was whimsical, like kind of like everybody who's seen it has pretty much described that to me. That like, it mm-hmm. was. And I kind of look at it as like a like a young child's musical, and I and I and I just I just I mean it's it was enjoyable. Like I don't understand like the I don't know I I liked it. I thought Timothy Chalamet did did a good job. I think you said you didn't like it, right? You didn't really care for it. It was like I, I guess what movie were you looking into? Like what movie were you expecting? And I feel like that's where I oh. kind of that that's kind of where I fell off a little bit of it. It's like Timothy Chalamet, great performance. The musicals were also good the music in the movie it was was fine i honestly i couldn't tell you a single song right now um from the movie because i feel like some of the songs were a little bit forgettable um but at the moment they were fun um yeah but and then obviously whimsical which i i I spoke about last week yeah it was a little bit whimsical um but my biggest gripe with the movie was that it didn't you're a prequel that didn't do that job like you didn't tell me anything new about this character that I wouldn't already know about just by watching Willy Wonka. Oh, and also, like, Willy Wonka has a little bit of a dark side to him that we never really got to see that explored in this movie. And so that's what I was looking forward to if they were going to dive into that. And they didn't. So uh, but I, here we go. But I wonder if just in the ethos of the Wonka-verse, <laughs> like, is this before <laughs> he became cynical? Because wasn't it... Because I, I had this conversation with somebody because I thought that at a certain point he became like a recluse he like kicked everybody out of the factory but this is before mm-hmm. that so this is this yes. is like this is the the happiest point of the the start of it so i guess i i, yeah. I kind of looked at it that way but what i did like i just i liked that he wasn't trying to be gene wilder like he was his mm-hmm. own thing and i think the best comparison i can think of is like will smith trying to be will smith being the genie his own version of the genie and not trying to be Robin Williams. Okay. But, and it is, and even that comparison is a little bit different because that's a direct copy, like story. Whereas this is like a younger, an actual younger version of 
want Willy Wonka. So, I mean, the expectation is for him to be different. So, I, I mean, I don't know. He's young. He's still full of hope. It, it worked. It worked I, I for me. What, I don't know. It, it worked for me. Yeah, and I think that was the point of the movie, right? Like you have a dream and you want to see it come to reality. At the end of the movie, it was a very happy ending. He got to start building his chocolate factory. Correct. Like, and and to your point, I think they might have mentioned this character in Willy Wonka, but they, um, uh, like, he was having issues with like some of the other like the, the corporate side of things that made him more secluse and like wanted to be separated from people. And we never got that part of it. And for me personally, that's the more interesting part because I know he's happy. I know, I know he had a dream and all this stuff. And like, I get all that, but I wanted to see like, how do we get to like, Hey, I want to bring people in, but if those kids die, that's okay. <laughs> so <laughs> that's going to be the next one. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. It's going to be Willy Wonka. <laughs> <laughs> or yeah. it'll just be the chocolate factory. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's it's the dark version yeah. of this story yeah. now. Like now nah, here we are. This is the horror movie yeah. I wanted. Just like Hugh Grant's <laughs> crying in the corner. <laughs> I'll make you I'll make you chocolate, I promise. <laughs> what do you think of Hugh Grant? <clears throat> uh he was a plot device more than he was I mean he was a plot device more than he was like actually in like uh, like internet as an introduction to the character like he was barely in there mm-hmm. like i would have mind seeing more of him or more of like what his tribe was like expecting of him like like even like a yes. even like a, a one or two little flashbacks but i mean he was fine i think he was meant to be kind of like um he's i almost felt like he was playing himself like how he does in other movies yeah i, I agree to that like i don't know i feel like for me, he was more of a distraction than he was a like a, any sort of value to the story. Well, he came in on a jetpack um, and saved the day. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, whatever. <laughs> it, it, like it. Like I said. Like there is. I, I'm. I'm. I'm like fifty-fifty with this movie. Like, I feel like I wanted more story-wise, but what you gave me is like, yeah, I can see the appeal. It's nice and colorful. It, it the movie's about hopes and dreams. Till Timothy Chalamet did a great job as as like a uh, a, a person who was wanting that dream be fulfilled. Um, yeah, and like I said, the the songs were a good way to get us through the movie. I think so. I like, think it's a good movie for for even for younger kids. Like you yeah, know, because absolutely. I think there's enough there. To keep even a younger audience captive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with it. And also, box office wise, this movie's killing yeah. it, killing it in the box office right now. It was in its in its opening week, it was number one, and then the Christmas weekend, uh, it went to number two, and then an Aquaman two went to number one, and then in its third week, went back to number one. It, and it makes sense uh, to me. That makes a lot of sense oh, given all the I other agree. movies that were coming out. I think. I think, I think fantastical and whimsical is probably the best two terms I could use for that. I, I could use to describe how I felt walking out of that. And you know, mm-hmm. I didn't. I enjoy. I don't know. I had a good. It, I had a good time. Like you know, it was a good. It was a good theater experience. And the theater was packed to see this movie. A lot of oh, lots of kids oh. seeing this movie. I so two things I want to I want to bring up. One, I want to talk to you about my theater experience because it was. Among the weirdest ones I've had when I went to go see Wonka. Okay. Um, but the box optics, I have the numbers here. 
Um, the budget for this movie was $125 million. Pretty hefty, yeah. right? Um, domestically so far, it has collected 124 Internationally, 244 with a worldwide gross of $384 million in three weeks. Wow. Not a bad payday. No. No. And I think I think the appeal is that they decided to not go grounded in reality at all. Like they went the mm-hmm. actual polar opposite, which is why I think yeah. it works. So like, you know, that suspension yeah. of disbelief is like, well, yeah, it's there. There's an orange Oompa on a jetpack flying around. Like they're in a yeah. vault. They're in a vault that's getting filled with chocolate. Like, yes, we, un- yeah, yeah. we understand. We, I get it. I understand what land we're in. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the funny bit that, that the only, actually the one part that did make me laugh was Keegan, Michael key. <laughs> And he just get fatter and fatter, progressively fatter, just more chocolate that he's eating. And like he, he's like struggling. Like they, the bit was that he was struggling to get out of the car because he's like really big. And then like as soon as he like gets himself situated and he goes, oh, the car got smaller. <laughs> <laughs> or they would put that comically large box on top of his car. More chocolate for you here. More yeah. another eighteen hundred pounds of chocolate. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was yeah, very very like there was an aesthetic there. And maybe people during the holiday season are enjoying that aesthetic yeah. of what this movie's representing. It's it's actually doing the same thing and I think why a lot of musicals come out around this time is doing the same thing that Greatest Showman did. Greatest Showman had a great holiday season run and it was a musical and now this is it has the same vibe. It was very like poppy, it was energetic you, you you brought the mood up while you're watching it it's a good for the entire family um and then you know the same thing wonka's doing so obviously they there is a recipe here for what type of movie people want to see during the holiday season absolutely um, absolutely and i think it, i think but, it worked be coming out during that time mm-hmm. now to my theater experience i saw it opening weekend um so this part was a little bit aggravating but it is what it is. You got a couple of kids down, like in the front row, like being overly dramatic in certain scenes. Like they're either like laughing way too loud, like when you don't really need to be laughing that loud, and also continuously laughing when the joke's already oh. over. And then they're also like making comments about certain scenes in the movie. Like they're being little hecklers for and kind of ruining the experience for everybody else. But surprisingly, that wasn't the worst part about the theater experience. The worst part about it is when about 15 minutes in, you got a family coming in late. And all of a sudden, you get one of these, Ernesto. I think you know what it is. You get that light. That that light where you're just like, where's uh, where's my seat? Where's oh, my gosh. Yes. That's the worst. Where's, where, where's the seat? And so then it's like, okay, so now, unfortunately for me, that was in my row. So now you get that light that's kind of <laughs> coming in. And you're just like, what? Like, come on, guys. And then, then they sit down, right? They find their seats. This is the crazy part. They came in with a... Full bucket of popcorn. They decided with the light on, they had little mini cups to distribute the popcorn. No. They did that while the movie was going on. So now they're distributing. <laughs> you get the whoosh. And then, like, there's, like, six of them. So now they're passing it around. There's two people that went to the back row for some reason. I'm not sure if they were supposed to sit with them or not. But, like, they decided, I'm not sitting here. I'm sitting back here. And so it was, like, a whole... Like, it felt like 10-minute production. Oh, my gosh. Like, 15 minutes into the movie. And I was like, what is happening right like now? Like, after you already like, settled. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah like settled. Everyone's, like, watching the movie. Sure, you got those stupid little kids down there. But, like, whatever. I can deal with it. But not this. This is the disruption. 
you got the light on, you're trying to distribute popcorn from a large bucket. Like, no, 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 just sit down. You, you, you lost that right when you showed up late. I'm just saying, um, crazy, just ridiculous. <laughs> but anyway, Wonka. Wonka. Yes, it, it's it's the holiday movie of the of of 2023. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was perfect for the timing that it came out. Mm-hmm. So Matt, Aquaman. <laughs> Yay. So. I'll, I'm gonna say this. So I end. We ended up seeing both of them because, unfortunately, my wife got sick on New Year's Eve. So we kind of just stayed in and watched movies. So we watched like, oh, you know what? Let's watch the first Aquaman. I didn't know that the first Aquaman is a two and a half hour movie <laughs> for a movie that does not need to be two and a half hours. <laughs> okay, like if you're gonna be whimsical here, here, and I guess this is my this is my issue. Like it's it's. Fine, if you want to be a surface level slapstick funny movie, but then you don't. If that's the route you want to be, then you don't need to be two and a half hours. You can be a solid <laughs> ninety. Keep a short, concise story. Tell your jokes. Get in and out. Bada bing, bada boom. That is not <laughs> bada bing, bada boom. <laughs> and I actually don't even. I don't know what the runtime is for the second one. I I didn't. I didn't actually look. But it seems like it was about two hours. It was more maybe like an hour fifty, close to two hours, because we uh, two hours and four minutes. Yeah, very very close. See, I was I was close. Um, I actually mm-hmm. liked the second one better than the first one. Like like I oh. like I said, they were fine, surface level for my overall liking. But you know, in getting preparation for it, I was like, well, I want to get a feel for the character. I'd never actually read any of the Aquaman comics. And so I read Rebirth, uh, the Rebirth series, which is the current run, and I I was like, well, let me just do the first six issues because the first six issues, it's got there's an issue that features Superman, there's an issue that features um, his fighting with uh, Black Manta, and but mm-hmm. what they do is they and I'm and I pulled the clip for it, the uh, the panel for it, it's is this Aquaman and Mera, and it's I feel like this kind of encapsulates what the kind of what the series is kind of him as a character where it's his love where he's in a diner eating lunch with mara so it's like he's with the person who he loves from the water world doing something that he loves to do as a surface dweller and i did get to see that a little bit during the movie where like you know he was showing him he was showing them like the food that they the food that they like to eat and and different things like that and I just felt like there was more in reading it. I felt like there was more of a loving relationship and he wasn't as slapsticky as, um, as Jason Momoa. And, and to me, like it really bothered me because I actually really enjoy the comic book version of Aquaman as opposed to the Jason Momoa, um, the Jason Momoa version. It all, it actually almost, it like, it almost threw me off because I felt like, mm. like you're getting this, like in the comic, you're getting this leader who's like really torn because his love, because of his love for the surface and the water, which you do get a little bit in, in both films, but it's definitely more prominent and his fighting with Manta and trying to redeem himself for, for killing his father. Like you get to see that play out mild spoilers. You get to see that play out in their fight in this movie, but like mm-hmm. the way it plays out in the comics and the way it plays out in the movie are vastly different. The comic book version is 100% reward. I felt like it was rewarding 
to both characters and who they are. Whereas the movie was just kind of like, Mancer's kind of like, no, and he just kind of like disappears into the ethos. And it's like, it's like, <laughs> what? Like, that's not how this, like, that's not what happens. And I understand it's not going to be the same, but I don't know. Like, the movies are fine for their own. But if you like Aquaman, I would highly suggest to read the comic book line. I actually, I mean, I found it like there is some humor in there, but it's it's way it's more it's subtle. It's it's subtly written like they make fun of like they make like one small joke about the fact that people think that he can talk to fish. <laughs> and mm-hmm. like there's this one they kind of they really showcase how strong he is. Like literally he goes toe to toe with Superman. They 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 send the military after him and you really get to see Mara's love for him and what she's willing to do for him because she has to like break him out of prison. Whereas because of all the issues with Amber Heard, it I think that hurt the movie because 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 mm-hmm. of you taking Amber Heard out. I mean, she was in like 10 or 15 minutes of this movie. Like I feel like that's a core part of Aquaman is the support of his wife and who and right. how he rules because she balances him. Like he made and then because of her absence in this movie, it's almost it's very much felt, especially because the movie showcase. I mean, you get to see his son, like his son is featured in the movie, but then you only get like small snippets of Amber Heard, and it like it just it's very clear that they like pushed her out of the movie. Like it's very much felt throughout the film, and I think in doing that, I think they hurt Aquaman's character in in how he was portrayed in this film. The um. How do you think it kind of wrapped up what the DCEU is? Not at all. As a whole. Not a, not even a Nothing. little bit cuz you just it's a self-contained story with no mm-hmm. like no real mention to what's to what's happening in the DC. It's probably for the best. Like not I even mean, as an epilogue. There's one post-credit scene and, and it's directly related to a joke in the movie. Is is it an end though? Because I was like they didn't did they tease anything? That we know it's not going to happen. No. Or would, did, did we get an? We got a definitive ending to this story. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, it, that, it, they put a, they put us at they part. put us at a stopping point. Like, okay, this is Aquaman's thing now. Like, he's you know he's grown. You get to see him grow as a leader. You kind of see him established into the next step of him of where of where he's going to be. Okay, that's interesting. I, I, I was I, there was one thing I was curious about with this movie is that since this is the last movie outside of the James Gunn universe, and we know that the DCEU is officially over after this, um, I was curious if there was going to have any ties of wrapping anything up. There were rumors that that Ben Affleck and or Michael Keaton was going to appear in the movie, and I'm I think they they scratched all that together because they knew that. They weren't moving forward with anything DCEU. Yeah, correct. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, and I don't know if that would have made that movie better or worse, but it sounds like you didn't hate it. No, and and here's the other thing. Like, we went, you know, they we went, the three of us, me, my son, and my wife. So they had a good time enjoying it. So it's like, I mean, who cares? Like, it's fine. Like, yeah. it's not, it's not, it's also, I also, like, didn't hate it. You know what I mean? Like, there are okay, certain yeah, movies yeah, yeah. that... Like I'm just like, oh my god, I'm just waiting for this shit to end. And it wasn't it wasn't right. to that level bad. It was still enjoyable. Like it was just slapsticky and like some of the fight scenes were cool, but other than that it was it was fine. And what's crazy is that this movie, the first movie, was a big hit, like when it came out during Christmas time again. 
um, I think it was like in December when it, the first, like December 18, maybe 17, um, when the movie came out. And um, what I was, that movie made a billion dollars. Like it was a big, big hit. And a big thing this year was like superhero fatigue. And we had like three Marvel movies. We had four DC movies. I'm um, mix in with all the shows as well. There was a lot of superhero content and not a lot of it, except for guardians three kind of came out and actually was a success. Uh, I take that back. We did have Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse, which also was a success, but not within the superhero genre, but not within, you know, you want know to talk about. And so <laughs> this time around you have like the Marvels did not perform well. And that was a billion dollar first movie. This movie is kind of in the same boat. You have a, uh, $81 million domestically, $173 million internationally with a total of $255 million on a $205 million budget. Well, they cleared it. <laughs> so they, they cleared what they paid. Yeah. Now I think their saving grace is obviously going to be at the international market because that has doubled what the domestic was willing to give it. So domestic might give it the hundred mil. Um, maybe international might favor a little bit more. I don't think this movie is going to be profitable if it has to be two and a half times the, the, the cost of the film or, you know, two and a half time, yeah, two and a half time the budget, but I'm going to watch it regardless. I'm just very curious. I, the, the consensus that I've pretty much seen is like, if you like the first one or the vibes of the first one, it's pretty much the yeah. same as the second one. Yeah. It's a lot of the same. It's pretty much the same with, yeah, a lot of the same. Yeah. Which is not a bad thing. I mean, I mean, it looks interesting. Like, I think the biggest appeal of it when it came out a few years ago was like, this is the first time they're utilizing underwater as like in the entire movie. Mm. Um, and like how that was going to work out. And also I think Jason Momoa was on the rise. And so there's a lot going for, it, and also superhero movies were doing really well. Um, but now, I mean, yeah, I think even the Rotten Tomato score um, was like negative on the, like kind of bad on the audience uh, critics, but the audience were more favorable. And it seems like that's, you know, that's kind of where we're at. You also have those people who are going to like a superhero movie regardless. Yeah, they just, they love um, whatever comes up. Yeah. So the first Aquaman was a 66 credit 72 audience. Um, the second one is a 35 critics, but an 81 audience. So that's a higher than the first movie. Like you said. Yeah. And I got, uh, uh I got, got, I one, got more? one more. Okay. And, um, we're going to, I'm going to thank Esteban for, and I mean this with oh. all the sarcasm of making me watch this, <laughs> this crazy ass movie. For those just listening, I am talking about um, Saltburn. <laughs> and this is a movie that Esteban made me watch. He said, sir, I need you to watch this movie. The cinematography is beautiful and it is, cr it is crazy, but it is good. Um, there are some really, really crazy and nasty shit that happens in this movie. So it's it mm -hmm. stars around uh, it stars uh, Barry Keoghan. It also has Jacob Elordi, um, where Barry Keoghan's character is obsessed with Jacob Elordi. He's like this big socialite, and he's got a like he's got a lot of money. He's got like the perfect rich life, and he finds a way to get in to get into their lives because he's because he becomes obsessed with him um and there's just some scenes that are like to me that are just really they were just really intense so i'm, I'm gonna talk about 
two of them. And I'm going to try to talk. Are you planning on seeing this movie? It's so, it's a, you know how you were talking. I think we, we you were talking about how you really didn't want to see poor things because it was going to be weird. Yeah. Uh, and you didn't know if you were going to like it. I feel like for me, it was Saltburn. Oh. Like Saltburn was that movie where I really didn't want to see. But if it was nominated for something, I guess I would have to see it. But if it wasn't and no one's forcing me to go watch it, then I wasn't going to go watch it. Okay. Well. So you, so like, like don't spoil anything. Right. But, so what the movie yeah. does is it, what they, I think what they try to do is they try to showcase like extreme obsession and desire like that like Mm -hmm. and they do that in a couple of ways like this kid there there's two scenes there's a bathtub scene (laughs) those who have seen the movie there's a bathtub scene where he um he uh he tries to drink the (laughs) bath water after the person who he's obsessed with takes a bath and there's more to that scene but that's that that is enough and that's not even that is let me put it to you this way that's enough to be crazy and that's not even the worst part (laughs) so and the other one for those who have seen the movie is where barry keoghan talks about being a vampire (laughs) okay and that and that's even more vague but when it happened you're gonna say oh that's gross <laughs> and there's there's a there's a couple more and there's a couple more scenes that are like that and i and the story does have there's a lot of interesting the story is very interesting like him seeing the lengths that somebody will go to for that when they're obsessed and they 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 feel like they can't be without this person in however whatever fashion that may be like it's it, it, it is interesting. There are a lot of interesting things that happen, but there's also some really weird, crazy shit that happens as well. And that's... Okay. Yeah. I, so so I, I think if I had to give it a rating, it's probably going to be... And there are some cool cinema... Like, as far as the cinematography, there are some cool shots, but it's, it outweighs all the other crazy shit that happens in this movie. Probably I'm probably going to sit either two and a half or three. Probably closer to three. Closer to three. Okay. But the but the, the but the shit that happens just it's just you know everybody has a line and there's a lot of shit that I can handle and I found my line. I I definitely found my line. <laughs> uh, I'll put it I'll put it this way, Ernesto. I I I think right now this movie is being looked at for either costume design, cinematography. There might be something else that's like it's more technical awards that it might be going for, less of like the big ones. Um, maybe may- production design. Maybe production design. May- maybe I think I might have read. Maybe like I think it's toying with maybe it might hit like one of the screenplays as well uh, for mm. its story. It's probably a, an original story if it's from Emerald um, um, Fennell who did Promising a Woman, which was a great movie. Um, which was also another reason why I was interested in this movie slightly because it was from her and I liked Promising Young Woman. Um, I did like that movie, and that you know what. Promising Woman did have a very, like, nothing compared to, this is, like, total opposite, not even, comparable in the shock factor in the scene. Like, I think, remember the opening scene of Promising Woman? Mm -hmm. Um, The shock factor. I guess guess what I would say is the shock factor is there as well in this movie. Just in 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 a different fashion. 
So I, I would say this, Ernesto. Would you like me to watch this movie so, one, I can share your pain or or just like your discomfort, um, as well as we can have a further discussion in a future episode? Yes. Okay. You know right. what? Yes. Yes. And then, you know what? And when we do it, we should have Stevon so that we so that we can both <laughs> yell, so we can both have this conversation with him. Because you, because if you see it, you're going to look at me, you go, Ernesto, why did you make me watch this? <laughs> How long is this movie? It, well, it's uh, funny because two and a half, is, two and a half hours, two. It's over two, I think. Is it over two? Come on, <laughs> it's like two and a half hours. It's pretty long. Jesus, what is with it all is... these movies being over two hours? <laughs> uh, so yeah, okay. This movie is two and so okay, two hours and eleven minutes. All right, I can. That's not as bad, but still, still long. Um, okay, I will watch it. I'm not sure if it'll be by next week, but probably the week after. <clears throat> I will. I, this movie I will watch. It was. It makes it easy that it's on Amazon right now. And actually, it was very quickly from the theaters to Amazon Prime. So, it was like not even a month from like I think yeah the movie was released on November seventeenth and then by twenty second December it was on Prime. So yeah. I'm not sure if that was by design or what, but, uh, but yeah I will watch it. I will also get to Aquaman. We'll have further discussions in future episodes. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> so that's all I got. Okay. Uh, uh, it's been a busy couple of days, so but I was able to squeeze one movie in for my What You're Watching. It's a movie that Ernesto has already seen as well. Uh, Sound of Freedom just hit Prime a couple days ago. It's been a while because the movie came out during the summer, during Fourth of July weekend. And we're, we're taking a huge shift on the tone of the movies we were just discussing. Yes, uh, yes, we are. <laughs> because, and here's the thing, I... It's been a while since a movie had me in tears mm. in the first 10 minutes. I told like, you. <laughs> not since not since up really that like a movie can get you that invested on what's happening in the story that quickly and then you, you know, if anyone has a heart <laughs> at the very least, if you're like, a human being, <laughs> if you're a human being it's like and and it's based on a true story. It's about the uh, the the human trafficking, specifically with kit with children, um, in other parts of the world. And you have um, this guy. Uh, what's his name? Tim. Uh, oh, it's been a while since I've Tim seen Ballard. Him. Tim Ballard, um, going in there, and he works for uh, he works for the for the government. I forgot exactly what uh, what faction it is. Um, and he's basically been you know, taking down pedophiles. And he says that he's got like over 200 pedophiles in jail, but only, but no children captured from those, you know, bad deeds. And so then he takes upon himself to go and try to retrieve. And these, these kids that have been kidnapped and it just goes down this path of just like it. I, I think what really gets me the most is it that the movie takes a lot of time just showcasing the weight of what this situation is yeah and how um like how powerful it is how serious it is it's like how emotional it can be like the drive that he was willing to have after he saved the first child to do more and more it's like he quit his job for it um to, to continue this because he knew it was the right thing to do and to me there were some scenes that you know if i'm looking at it on a movie perspective was the acting great no, it had its moments. Um, yeah. Like it wasn't great act acting, um, 
this is also an independent studio and these actors are not 100 percent well known uh so like it had its moment where like the acting was a little bit like stiff i should say i think it got better throughout the movie um but i feel like any problems that i had with the movie itself I, you kind of just throw it out the window because of the subject matter that they're tackling and the, the way that they're doing it. Like any faults that I had with it outweighs by a lot of what the, the what the message is Absolutely. of this movie. Absolutely. Um, and it's it's one word for this movie is just powerful. Mm. Like it, it really just sucks you in on, hey, these kids are getting kidnapped and you're going to feel for every one of them. Um, and then at the very end, you get the tag, you get the, the end card of just like it's almost like, yeah. It was more of a, I wouldn't call it a happy ending, but like the story that we were watching has a, has a, has a happier resolution. Mm-hmm. But that's not to say that like this is still an ongoing problem. And though he was able to save like a few hundred, doesn't matter because there are billions, like there are not billions, millions out there that are still, you know, kidnapped, suffering in all these different situations. And wow, just wow. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's, movie. it's it, like eh. yeah. It, I haven't seen it in a while. It's good to know that it's on. Uh, you said Prime. It's on Prime now. Yeah, it just hit Prime. Um, it, to me, like I think the opening of that movie was really what sucks you in because like you you have like this like this long zoom in shot of a girl into her bedroom and then like the story kind of takes place from there and at the very end, the mild spoilers, the movie ends the same way, just in reverse. Mm-hmm. But you get a whole different meaning out of it. Here's like, at the beginning, here's this innocent child just playing in a room, and now on the on the back end of that, here's this child that just went through hell and now back into her room. That room doesn't look the same anymore. Yeah. <sighs> it's, it, it's, 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 quite, it's quite powerful, like I said. Does the, um... Um, does the end of the movie still have that like sit down with Jim Caviezel where he's like talking to the audience? No, I it, it was I had because I had the credits rolling for a minute before I turned it off and um it enough nothing happened there. And we just got like the the title cards at the end of the movie saying like you know like this is the family, this is what he is. And also I would say even though the acting wasn't like amazing, the casting in that movie was spot on. Yeah, yeah Jim Caviezel. Like, I mean, his Jesus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But also, like, they, they did, like, this really cool fade where, like, they had, like, a close-up of Jim Caviezel, and then, like, they swiped, and it showed, like, the real-life version, and I was like, very, whoa. Very similar, yeah, yeah. Very, very similar, so the good job casting, but, yeah, what a powerful movie. It's on, it took a while, it was on Angel's streaming service, because I guess they have a streaming service, um, and it was on there for a while after the movie came out, and now it is um, available on Prime, so I definitely highly recommend if you haven't already, um, go watch the movie since it's more available to to a streaming service that most people have. And um, it's one of those movies that I'm glad I got to see before the end of 2023. Because even though a lot of people were talking about it for like, because the budget was like really low, and then it made like a whole bunch of money, and, and that took, was like the big story. And I think it also took it was made finished production in 2018. It didn't come out until 2023. Yeah, that's also crazy. Like they've been sitting on this movie for five years. Um, but yeah, like I said, very powerful, hundred percent recommend this movie. It's on prime. Um, but yeah, I know I like, it's a movie that I was like toying with. And then you kind of convinced me when you talked about it a few months ago. Yeah. Um, but there you go. That's all we've been watching. So now mm. we're going to be diving into our spoiler review of the week, which is another rough one. Uh, the, the iron claw, uh, written and directed by Sean Dirksen, starring Zach Efron, Jeremy Allen White, Ernesto 
your thoughts on the film. Well, I think it's safe to say that I this movie absolutely wrecked me. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like this movie, like I like I had a visceral response. This movie took you on an emotional roller coaster. On an emotional yeah. roller coaster. Like you you go to the highest of highs and you go to the absolute lowest of lows. Like what seemingly is just a story of this family coming up in the wrestling world, it's really about these brothers trying to prove their love to their father and to the extent that they will have that they will go to meet those demands that they feel they had to complete. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, just highest of highs, lowest of lows, one tragedy after another. Um, I mean, the, all the deaths were just incredibly sad. David, dad, David dying was probably the saddest of all. Like, uh, I think uh, that is the one who died in, I believe the one who died in Japan. It was, yeah. Um, especially and then, especially since you know there was that conversation beforehand of him trying to stop him, and then he went anyway. Like you know, Matt Zach Efron. Like, um, what is his character? Excuse, what is his character's name? Uh, Kevin. Kevin. Like having to to live with that guilt for the rest of his life. And let me tell you, this is probably Zach Efron's best performance of his career. And I, I would Absolutely. say the same. And I would say the same for Jeremy Allen White. And I really enjoyed um, the gentleman who played his brother, um, uh, Harris Dickinson. Harris Dickinson. He was he was mm-hmm. absolutely he was he was incredible. They, I mean, they all did. Even the the um, the one who played his his other brother, um, uh, Mike uh, Stanley Simmons. He played Mike. He played Mike. I think they all did an absolute phenomenal job. Um, yeah, I mean, this is this. I don't understand why this movie is not in the conversation for best picture. To me, this movie is the entire. I feel like this movie is like the whole package. Like I was fully yeah. engulfed the entire way, all the way through. And like, and Zac Efron puts on this performance where you can even you, you. I feel like you're going through the emotions with him. Um, some of my favorite scenes is that that first wrestling scene he has with the NWA champ, and he slams him on the ground. And you can like when he hits him onto the concrete, and he's his dad is telling him to get up, and you could tell like internally like he's actually trying. Like like everything yeah. within him is stopping him from. And I felt I felt that with him in the story just by the way they constructed it i i was in that moment with him and like i've listened to previous podcasts learning about like hearing about that re- that time of wrestling and it like it it did take a toll on her body like is as scripted as it is it is just as dangerous like for them to get hurt um when he finds Jeremy Allen White's character, when he finds him, and after he kills himself, and he, that response he has to his dad, and like that fallout that he has with his dad it, to their death was, I mean, that whole scene was just heart wrenching, and even the follow up to that, when um, the all the brothers meet in heaven, it's a reminiscent of the note that he left, and um, of the suicide note that he left that he just wants to see his brothers in heaven. Um, 
And then my absolute, the scene that absolutely destroyed me was the final scene where Zac Efron is sitting. Yeah. He's sitting in the lawn and he's explaining how happy he is to see his boys, his brothers, and reminding him of what he had now. He said, you know, because he's not a brother anymore. And I was like, oh. Yeah. Like that, that took, I mean, I was already boohoo crying during, during the whole movie, but to me, like it just, the whole movie wrapped up the entire message where like, it is it is about their time wrestling, but they didn't what I loved is that we got some wrestling scenes, but it wasn't the actual focus of the film. The actual focus of the film is the journey that this family had to go through. And I think they with that scene in particular, and even how they constructed the ending, like I absolutely loved it. And I love that it they cap off this sad story with him with a picture of him and his you see the actual picture of him and his entire family. Because, you know, it was clear that as much as he loved wrestling, that his first love was his family. Like, he cared about yeah. the people who he considered to be his family in his world. And due to their father, how he was, that's how they had to showcase their love. Um, the en- I mean, the ending, it was a very, it's almost bittersweet because it's a very, it's it's sad, but it's it's bittersweet. I guess that's the best way to put it, where it's sad, but you see... That it has a great res that out of so much pain, so much love has come about because he has an, he has a huge family now. It it's it's kind of crazy. Like I mean, fast forwarding to the end of the movie, you kind of nailed it to me. My one of my favorite scenes and one of the most heart wrenching scenes in the movie was when he was literally Kevin was talking to his son Zac Efron, and was like, you know, he's like, what's what's wrong, Daddy? And it's like, oh, I'm just you know. I'm crying, you know, because like I was a brother once and like, well, like I see you guys are being brothers and, you know, I'm happy for, you know, happy that you guys are getting along and everything. And like, I'm no, like, I'm no longer a brother. That that's the line of the movie for me. Yeah. Like I'm no longer a brother. Like you, you feel that you, like that, that line holds so much weight after the movie and after all the events that transpired that happened afterward, like, like that that is such a good line to end on to just really hit it home like you had in the movie i should say you had five brothers and now you have zero yeah like or sorry you had four brothers and now you have zero because no it was they, five because it jack jr what well he five total and then then he had three others right no no, 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 and he, and even in re- One, and I in two, doing some research, three. there's actually an additional. There, there's actually six brothers in real life, but in the movie, there's only five. They combine two of the brothers' story into Mike. Yes, um, and Chris is his name. Chris, yeah, Chris Von Eric, the youngest, not in the film. He committed suicide in 1991. I mean, <sighs> it's uh, it's like to, to crazy to think. Like when I read that, I was like. So wait a minute. There was a, another brother in the family, on top of the already big family that they had, that also committed suicide. That was not even in the movie. That 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 makes the story more tragic. That means there was more people involved in this in this situation, and it's not. It, I think the movie did a really good job, really kind of honing in like what you were saying. It's like it's not to say that anyone was. They were pushed to their limits in their own devices, trying many things they're trying to build a career their stresses their father the the pressure but it hit everybody like the entire family in this way where all of them you know because of throughout the sport or through the family or through whatever 
had decided to take their own life or just got dealt fell deeply sick to then having to pass away um it's it, it's heart-wrenching it's heart-wrenching it, it is really sad and i actually i wanted to pull up this uh the article from the la times um i think they did a really oh come on come on dude <laughs> damn it come on give it to me there we go <laughs> um where they actually sat down with a director and they talk about all the different hard decisions that he had to make um here this is uh, on specifically his his stance on when he's talking about adding that brother uh sean durkin said it was one more tragedy that the film really couldn't withstand and he and he goes into detail about you know him having to make these decisions because he wanted to really hone in on kevin's story um and that while that is a part of the story that it almost would have taken away from it because of how be just because it would have been it would have just one more one more thing that he had to con, one more thing that he had to contend with like you almost i understand what he means like it would have got lost in the shuffle like like what is the audience going to be able to handle how tragic his story really is and almost like if you really love the movie and you even do like 30 seconds of research you can de- you be able to see like wow they went through so much more that the movie couldn't even encapsulate in those two in those two hours um uh, this is actually a really great article i recommend um if they let you read it is to read the uh <laughs> the la times article that that they have the interview they have with the director um he goes into all the hard choices he had to make about the script um and that even talking to Eric, talking to Kevin Von Eric about after letting him see it uh about how he had he didn't um he wrote the whole story and then he let he let Kevin know um what he was the broad strokes of the movie that it was a planned drama around what you know what his family story is about and actually here right here he says it uh, Kevin says to him the thing i care about most is that people know how much my brothers and I loved each other, says Durkin. And I said, that is the movie I'm making. So, like, I think, how hard is it? Like, hey, I'm going to change your family story a little bit so that I, so I can tell a more effective story. And to have his br- blessing, that must be, that must be, like, so rewarding. Like, because you, like, he wants to do him, he wants to do his family's justice. And it's, and it's clear within the film that, this family story was handled with care. Um, I mean, I, I I can't believe this movie is not being talked about anymore. And, and even Jeremy Allen White and then this and all that. That's not even talking about the physical adjustments that these men had to make to mold themselves into being these characters, like the physicality that they had to showcase. Uh, I mean, there's so much, there's so much even more to talk about. Not even the brothers who killed themselves. Jeremy Allen White's character, um, Harry, um, Harry, Carrie, Harry. Carrie, how he lost his leg in the motorcycle accident and then continued to wrestle and didn't, didn't to because he didn't want to, you know, because he wanted to continue in in and on his journey. And it's 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 an it's an incredible film. I know I kind of been rambling a lot matt but i would love to hear your thoughts yeah i mean it's i i agree with you that that uh zach efron had a really aggressive transformative at least physique wise Mm. 
Like he he definitely bulked up for this. And as even I was watching the movie, the first scene, like you see like Zac Efron, one of the first scenes you see Zac Efron getting getting out of bed. And you're like, oh my God. Jeez. It's like, <laughs> Jesus. It's like he's he was in in this in the sense like now. He's always been fit. He's always been like he's mus- muscular. Like that's always been a thing. This is a whole new level that he put his body through to get to that size. It's like you look at him and say Baywatch. Yeah. Right. And then you look at him in this movie. Like that's two different people. Yeah. A hundred like, percent. And I think I think I read that uh, Jeremy Allen White put on 40 pounds of muscle for this role and then grew wow. and grew. He actually grew his hair out. For it, and they only had to put some extensions in to make it a little bit longer. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's funny because even I don't know when the filming of this movie compared to like season two of The Bear, but you can hundred percent see that in the Bear season two, they're trying to hide it a little bit, but it's just like, dude, this this, this guy's jacked. You can't, you can't hide that. <laughs> you can't hide that. You can't that hide that thief. at all. Yeah. <laughs> this guy's cooking. <laughs> he should be breaking tables. <laughs> and you know, oh, there was another. There was oh man, there was another. Oh, this is the the Variety article I also wanted to showcase because as the stunt coordinator goes on to mm. praise, um, he praised Zac Efron and all the other guys on on their work and dedication to the film because they actually ended up doing like some of their stunts. Um, You know, you talk to him that it's like working, you know, he'll see what they know um, in that they just they really took the time and that these guys were really, really dedicated, dedicated to it. Uh, he talks about a standout memory from set when um, Efron had to execute the crossbody move from which he jumped onto Guerrero from the top rope of the ring. Guerrero offered the actor an important piece of advice. The higher he jumped, the easier it would be to pull off since the hang time hmm. would allow them to locate each other and land correctly. It was cool to see an actor trust me with his body in a sense. Uh, the former WWE wrestler explained that everyone on set pushed each other to be better. The actors and Guerrero himself were inspired by Efron's dedication to the role of Kevin Von Erich. Zach was a machine, he says. We'd be in the ring, and he would go, he would go. Hold on, let me get this meal in, and he would get a quick meal, <laughs> ready meal, and then come back in the ring. And then an hour later, he'd be like, "Oh, let me throw down a protein shake." So you have this competitiveness wow. between the actors too. Jeremy was saying that he saw Zach take off his shirt in the ring, and he's like, "Oh man, I gotta step it up." Guerrero had the same reaction as White. I saw Zach, and I was like, "Wow, okay." Each actor brought different natural abilities to the ring. They all have something they're really good at, so I'll work with that. He said Harris Dickinson had done some boxing before. They have different approaches to it. Um, it just they just highly talking about their dedication to this role, and it one hundred percent showcases throughout this movie. Yeah, and I and I think you know I saw this movie with Megan, so we were on the drive back home, and uh, we were talking about some of the situate some of the scenes, but specifically again with Zac Efron, like. We we all knew him from High School Musical. For, yeah, <laughs> right. That that's where he got like that was his like his start, the big one that got him on the map. And then you slowly see him go from High School Musical to Seventeen again. Then he's doing like comedies like um, uh, uh, Neighbors and Baywatch. 
and he has that like that persona. Then he's doing um, the the Greatest Showman, where it's more mm. of a musical again. And then all of a sudden, his career like he's also doing Mike and Dave Need Wedding Dates, like those those comedies where he's like the hot guy Neighbors. in it. Neighbors, exactly. Like like he's like he's already. You feel like at this point of his career, you know what Zac Efron is at this point. And then he comes around and does this. And I 100% agree with you. This is like his career best performance. I feel like that once he was given the role, he felt a duty and uh, and a service to to make sure that this was done accurately, effectively. He definitely respected the story and the character and wanted to do it right. And that 100% was felt throughout the film because the film focused on him. He was obviously the main lead in this movie and He's the only surviving member, the brother, I should say, surviving brothers of the Von Erich family. And there's so much weight that comes with it. And each after each tragic death that happened, you can see that being pulled further down through his eyes. Like you can see it through his eyes and his his mannerisms and his character that was affecting his marriage um, and everything. And like, obviously, the relationship with his father and what he wanted and kind of in a way he got kept getting pushed aside like in the earlier in the movie, his father was like, I'm going to rank my children. And it's like, but the ranking can always change. And I feel like in that case, you even saw that within the movie mm-hmm. as like, it's Kevin. Well, David has a better shot of, of uh, going against Ric Flair. So it's going to be David. And then David passed away. And he's like, well, we're going to flip a coin. It's either Kevin or, or Carrie. And it's like, Kevin was obviously the next person in line to do the job, but his father didn't trust him. And like, you can see him going further down the, the totem pole when it comes to like quote unquote who's his favorite under his father's eyes and again now he's the only one left standing in this tragic situation you felt all of that yeah. within within his performance and i even give credit to the the actor who played the father uh halt mccainley uh mccauley um i mean he he was oh yeah he he did like this he was like a hard ass but like you can tell that he cared but also he had a really focused mission. It's like he almost wasn't phased after his sons kept dying. It was almost like the next thing, like, okay, this sucks, but we have a, a belt to win or we need to focus on the mission. This is for our family, all this stuff. And like, it's just tragic to see how he was reacting to those situations as well. I mean, you even saw it on the day of the wedding. He's like, take your sunglasses off, wear your head high. There's no, there's no crying. And then, like, right. meet, like the day, you day were, the funeral. yeah, the day you were talking about the coin toss that that happens the night that they bury his son. Yeah, like how crazy is that? That's what you're talking about right now. Like, mm-hmm. <coughs> I understand that that's their family, and I don't know, like, but I guess you know that's their livelihood, and I and I understand that. But it's like, I mean, you his his you just the the dirt is still loose. Like he's just <laughs> got put into the ground. But, yeah, you know everybody. Oh, everybody and, copes in in their has their own way has their own way of coping. And and just like again, just kind of showcasing the timeline. I was looking up to see how far apart each tragic death was. You had the son named Jack Jr., who was at a young age at a family tragedy. I, I forgot exactly what the story was, oh. but I believe he was like either four or five when he passed away. Yeah, electrocuted. And so that's right. That's yeah. right. Um, and then he was technically the oldest, but died at a young age. And then after, you know, we see what we see in the film, we see David who passed away in Japan um, in 1984. Mike then committed suicide in 1987. 
the the Chris Von Erich brother was who was not showcased in the movie committed suicide in 1991, and then two years later, Carrie committed suicide in 1993. Um, so it, it's just literally within a not even a 10 year time span, you lost four of your sons um, in this in this tragic. Like and and to to the point for those people who didn't know the story, like myself, and obviously you going into it, let's just remember the first half of this movie was actually pretty upbeat yes. for the most part. Yeah, the first like it was definitely at the halfway mark where it took that turn. But the first half of this movie, it was more or less the traditional sense that you'd expect this movie to be. Here's this wrestling family. They had some hardships trying to get to where they were. Now, many years later, you have your sons going into this wrestling ring and doing this every Saturday, making a name for themselves. And and honestly, as far as wrestling is concerned, I'm not a huge fan of wrestling. Um, but what I what took me back was when he's when Zach Efron's having like the first date with Lily James, um, and she was explaining like what is wrestling, what exactly what you do, and all this stuff. And he explained it as like like isn't it all fake? Like what, what, what do you, what are you actually like going for? Isn't like this belt, like predetermined and all this stuff. And, and I liked his response from it because it actually gave me a lot of respect for the sport where not to say I didn't have respect for it before. I just, you know, didn't have a lot of understanding behind it or, you know, a hundred percent why people will go after it because it's all more or less predetermined. But what he, how the way that he put it and the way that the, the words were written in this scenario, I was able to connect with that. And basically what he said was like, you're basically here to put on a performance. And if you perform well and the crowd likes you, then you get a promotion. And then from there, it kind of goes up the ranks. And then eventually you get the belt because you performed the best with the best audience reactions to that. Mm. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I guess that makes sense because you're in the world of entertainment. Like you're here to put on a show. And even like before one of the, the matches, they were like going over. It's like, okay, I'm going to do this. And then I'm going to do here and be careful because I'm going to swoop in and do this instead. Like, I'm not sure if winners are involved, but I feel like, I don't know if the winner is predetermined, but I guess also with any type, like a sport like that, like, I guess whatever, whoever has the better story would then, you know, continue to move forward with that promotion because you're also, not only is it like you are performing in the wrestling rink, you also have to perform outside of it. We saw that mm-hmm. in a very clear way when Kevin was talking to the announcer, like he's like, uh, that's right, Rick. And, 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 you know, I'm going to get, I'm going to get him and, and he's gonna, um, uh, shit, can we start over? And then you had his brother David doing it. And he was like, and this is me. And this, you think you can come after my family? This, this and he was like really playing it up with the mic. And even his father congratulated him for it. as like, this guy knows how to carry the crowd and be in the ring where Kevin's only good for the ring and not the crowd. So, like it, it, think about that yeah you're right and it, it dived into a lot of those scenarios i think they did a great job earlier like the first half of this movie showcasing the the like the struggles that kevin was having even being in the eyes of his father and in the ring but also like in a sense that even though kevin was first after his father of course like his brothers kind of came in later and they succeeded him to his father's eyes because they were able able to carry the performance better in the ring than say David was. Um, and so like, you can see the pain already, even before the tragedy started happening, that Kevin was feeling just kind of being left aside. And then the, the highest point of this movie was when the brothers were all together, like in the ring at the same time, 
we have his brother Mike wanting to be in the band and like his father didn't understand that because he didn't think it was a career, but they all like snuck out of the house and so his son so his the youngest brother can go be playing at a college party and stuff like that. So like you had like those great moments and then really right after the wedding, like it it just took that that flip and I didn't I wasn't prepared to no. watch all of that happen because you're like, oh wow, the one brother died and then the other one. And then the other one. And for me, the most tragic in my eyes was was Mike, was the youngest brother. Yeah. Because oh. it, it's a field where he didn't even want to be in. True. Like, I mean, he wanted to be an artist. Yes. It was very clear. I mean. And and the family <sighs> pressures didn't even, like, allow, like, I was actually surprised when, like, they cut to him in the ring. I was like, oh, wow. So he decided to try to go for it and kind of follow in the family footsteps. And then he gets injured. And then excuse me, a complication in surgery. And then like, good job on the, on the actor for this as well. Like you see it in his face, like how much he is just not there anymore. Like it physically, mentally, like, it's, this movie's so good. Like, I just yeah. don't understand. I just don't understand why there isn't a stronger conversation about this film. Like, I mean, the performances there, there are outstanding. Good, yeah. Like, I mean, maybe because of the subject matter, but this movie's in I mean, this movie's incredible. Like it just it hits you in all the right ways. And you don't leave it like to me, this is a, a movie with such heavy subject matter, but I'm not mm-hmm. walking away going, Well, that's a movie I will never watch again. I would one hundred percent watch this movie again. Yeah, I mean I you definitely have to be ready for it again yeah. because yeah, it's like you have to be mentally prepared for it. And I think in like my sense, I was not mentally prepared <laughs> to, to to like go down the second half of the movie because the first half was vastly different from the from the from the second half. It's like yeah, it's like after the wedding, flip a switch, and and you're like wow, I I like it, it's crazy because in some situations, like for people who are familiar with this, they knew what they were going into. Like oh, I want to see this this kind of play out in a movie form in a dramatic sense. But like us, and we're talking about this right now, there are a lot of people in this world who don't know this story. I mean, mainly because like, I'm sure a lot of the drama, a lot of the stuff that was happening around this was in the early eighties. And, you know, I wasn't bored to 94. So all of this kind of, kind of, I missed, it missed me. Yeah, it missed me. Like, I, so, uh, and so now we're seeing this, like, what, when did this happen? It's like, oh, this wasn't that long ago. And then, I mean, hell, even, even like at the end of the movie though, like you, you're, you're sad. But they also just leave a little bit of hope in there. Yeah. It's like he like look, look he could have easily done the same. he could have easily committed suicide because of all the tragedy that happened within his family. And he not he decided not to do that. Go on his maybe not his own path, but like he was able to overcome all the mental struggles that he was having and start a family of his own. And it was crazy at the end of the movie. I think he had said like Five children, five or six children, and like fourteen different. I think it was like maybe four kids and fourteen or thirteen grandchildren. It's like he was able. There's a lot of people in that picture. (laughs) From him, just from him. Imagine what it could have been if his brothers were around. You know, like it would have been a huge family. Like, but it is just a feel. It to me, it it hits you as a good feel good at the end because literally after i saw this movie i, I told my wife i said i just want to tell you that i love you and i love our children <laughs> and that if you know if you want to have another kid like i'm all, like we can do that I'm, we can make our family as big as we need to 
because there's some <laughs> people who don't have family. But what I think what it does is it just this movie made me appreciative of what I have because mm-hmm. it's nothing compared to what this man had to go through, what he had to endure to survive. Like like not even go through. Like he he is the sole survivor and who has to live with mm-hmm. all he still I'm I mean of course I would have to imagine he would still harbor that within his heart like everything that he's been through and like that's what makes him the person that he is today and absolutely it's just it's a it's an it's an incredible story that was handled yeah. with such such love and care and and you can and you can tell that even uh like there was a scene where he was trying to sell the wrestling like like his part of like the the arena yeah like like, i forgot what division that they were in obviously i think now everything is consumed under wwe now but at the time it was like different factions and then they kept buying them out and um and but essentially all the same thing and you can even sell like the guy who was like trying to sell it to to kevin he's like you know i you know your dad invited me out to the to the ranch or to the farm or to the house or whatever it was and uh he tried to convince me not to sell it to you and all this stuff and it's like He's like, well, I'm glad it didn't work. Yeah. Because like, because like for him and for Kevin, like he, he gave him the business and like, like his father gave him the business to run. And now for his father's eyes, you're a disappointment because you sold the business. But like he was doing what he needed to do for his family and you gave him the legal right to run it. And if it was better to sell it off, especially around all that tragedy. Yeah. I would have done the same thing. And I think he still went on to after he sold, it, he's like, hey, if you ever want to be in the ring. Let me know, and and he and I believe he did for another couple more years. Yeah, uh, under under the new faction and what it was, uh, maybe under WWE at that point. I'm not sure exactly all the the history of of wrestling, but he was able to continue with that. Um, and then quickly, you mentioned like going back to Jeremy Allen White. It's like his story of how he didn't tell anybody that his leg was amputated in the accident that he had, and and in some cases you would think that that was the tragic moment, was that. He got into a, a motorcycle accident and he had to amputate his leg and he could no longer wrestle. But no, he he overcame that adversity and then continued to wrestle even for a longer period of time after that, hiding the fact that he didn't have a leg and then but still tragically then committed suicide a few years later. How crazy is that? Do you understand the athleticism it takes to achieve that? Like how like that is, like that even just that part of the i mean his story is so tragic but even yeah. just that part is just such a testament to the will and just the strength in the athleticism that that individual had like how incredibly hard that must have been to do all that shit that he was doing wrestling with an amputated leg and like what yeah. i what i really loved is that they showcase when him and Zach Efron are in the ring of like how hard and I mean to Jeremy Allen White, like really showcasing how hard it, how hard it could be to to have to go through yes. that. You know, when he's starting the train and he just falls down and he's like, Well, get up. If this is what you want to do, then get yourself up. And he did. Uh, obviously. It you know, it's unfortunate that he had his life ended the way that it did. It's yeah, and and I, I think you just said it, but like the the scene where like he he was he was trying like to me like you didn't you think like yeah you're going too fast like at that moment I feel like that he's just trying to get back something he will never get back again and then later in the movie he's like oh shit he he went back and he did it yeah like that's like they kind of brushed over that a little bit uh, but because the movie was again focusing on Kevin but 
I thought when he was kept following in following down in the ring that they have in their backyard, I thought that was like, okay, I guess that's like, you know, he's trying and that's where the story is going to go for him. But no, he, he succeeded in that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it's, it's so tragic, but in, in a movie sense, great movie. Incredible. It's, it's a fantastic movie. Ernesto, your final thought. Um, I, I mean, I think I've said it. I mean, I, I absolutely, absolutely love this movie. One, one thing I will say is that I was talking to a friend and they were upset that they didn't do any research like before they saw the film. But I think as you and me have kind of discussed already that I'm glad that I didn't because when I watched the movie, like I was experiencing it as Kevin was experiencing it. Now, some of them were kind of absolutely. like some of them was like uh, you were able to figure out. Like when David is thrown up in the toilet and they have that, they go to that dead line dance screen scene at the end. And then the very end of that scene, they kind of hold on him. You're like, Oh, Mm -hmm. something bad. And like, you immediately get the feeling like, Oh, something bad's about to happen to him. And then the next scene is when you find out that he, that he passed away. Um, but I, I think I, I enjoyed it the way that I saw it because I was, I felt like I was able to endure the pain with them. Like, finding out as it was happening, if that makes sense. Like, not knowing yeah. the story beforehand. Not going, oh, this is when David dies, or, oh, this bro- this is where his brother's going to kill himself. Like, like not, mm-hmm. I think not knowing that made it made it hit harder for me. Like, not ha- going in blind. Yeah, and you know what? You made a, a really good, you brought up a really good point here. Last week, we reviewed Maestro, another movie based on a, on, on a, on a person, a true events, uh, more or less of a biopic, so to speak. And so we have two different movies going over a course of, you know, people's lives. And you walk out of Maestro in a way where I felt like you needed to know his story to have an understanding of the movie. And therefore you're doing research, at least I did research, to understand what his story was Mm -hmm. to understand the movie. Mm. And then we go into Iron Claw, where I feel like the movie did a great job of telling me this story that I want to now do research to understand more of the story that they did a great job explaining in the movie. Mm. And so you have two different avenues of how you're going about research, understanding and wanting to know more. Um, And I think this is just a great showcase of this movie did such a great job with the material that they were given and with this story that I felt the need to then go online to do my own research on like what did they miss what what further going down like like how did this how was how is the real life story compared to this like because you were just so moved with the story that they brought to you in the movie and especially for a time when we were not a part of you know we were able to see this movie and this is our gateway to knowing the story i'm sure there's a lot of other people who knew about this and like we do with other movies like oh i know that story like dumb money yeah dumb money was like we were alive for that that happened not not too long ago so we know where that story was going but we wanted to know it because we lived it so we just want to see how it was portrayed in in a in a dramatic sense in this case we didn't know the story so the movie was first and then we learned the real life events Mm. and that just happens you know that just happens how 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 you know it's well i think the thing is it, th- it's it's interesting how go well, no, well no what were you gonna say i was just saying like you know it's it's an interesting way of like how you approach a movie and how you how what you get out of a movie and wanting to do like a, the the three examples that and i not explained. and not to knock maestro but i think this is a what it 
did is show us how strong the story, how much stronger the story is in this film. Like, like yes. I didn't walk out of there going, well, I felt like I'm missing something. Whereas I had that feeling during certain parts of Maestro. Absolutely. And I mean, that was part of the story. Like, obviously, I mean, we talked about last week that the story of Maestro was not his strongest part, but there are other strong elements yeah. of the movie that we talked about in last week's episode that you can listen over there. Um, but in this case, like the story is the strong, one of the strongest parts about this movie among other mm-hmm. things. And I think the second strongest thing with the story is as obviously Zach Efron's performance, as well as the, pretty much the entire cast who just absolutely nailed it. Um, it's, it's a heartbreaking movie. It's a tragic movie, a movie that I didn't expect it to be that way. And I agree with you. I don't know why it's not in the conversation for best picture when I feel like that it was at one point. Um, but I, I don't, I feel like, I don't know where the conversation is being had with this film as far when it comes to the Oscars. I don't know where it's going to land, if it's going to land at all. But I feel like earlier on, as the, as we as we're talking about this, if this gets no nomination whatsoever, this might be the biggest snub of the 100%. year. Hundred percent for being nominated. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Yeah. As far as my rating, uh, it gets it gets five, like all five, all the stars. <laughs> All the stars, five out of yeah. five. Um, and I, I think it's <laughs> on a completely unrelated note. We were talking, you just named the stars. I found a way to give the half mark on our social medias. So I, it's a hard pivot, but you mentioned the stars. It just came in my mind. I was like a little bit of a little bit of crafty, crafty graphic works. But I, the, the halves are now going to be in the social media posts. So there Leveling we go. up 2024. Uh, we, <laughs> leaving it up. <laughs> we got, got half stars, baby. Boop, boop, boop. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, our official letterbox rating, it's 100% a 5 out of 5 stars. There's not not a lot of negativity I can say about it. It's... it's uh, it's it's heartbreaking. Uh, a movie I wasn't expected, but like you walk out of it and you're just like, damn. That. Yeah, that's why I was that, like, that wow. Was that's why my text was like, like I don't even know what to tell you about the movie that I just experienced. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, definitely recommend go watching it. And I I think this served as a better spoiler review than what we would have. If it didn't work out, it would have been Aquaman too, and we would have been having a different conversation. But yeah. hey, good good on you for still squeezing it into this episode because that's what we still <laughs> somewhat talked about. Yeah. Um, but there you go. That's our spoiler review on the Iron Claw. It's in theaters now. Hopefully, this is not the last time we're talking about this movie as we enter some of the award season. Um next week we're gonna be uh it's gonna be uh Next week is so at this weekend for next week's episode is going to be the Golden Globe Awards is going to air on uh, one of the I don't even know where it's going to air. I completely forgot about it. It's going to be airing somewhere. The Golden Globes. And um, I, th- I think it's on I think it's on CBS. How can I think I watch the Golden Globes. I thought it was ABC. And... No, ABC is the Oscars. Oh, you're right. Uh, CBS. 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 OK, so the goal. So the Golden Globes is going to be on CBS on January 7th, which is, I believe, is a Sunday. Um, so by next episode, we're going to see those results and uh, kind of more or less giving the lay of the land of like how the next uh, 
how this this these year or if we don't talk about next week we're definitely going to be talking about it the week after maybe in combination with the critics choice awards will be in the following week as well so award season is upon us as usual as at this time of year and so we're going to be hopefully the iron claw is somewhere in there ernesto because this is really a special movie it absolutely is uh it really is um but with that tell the listeners what they can look forward to next week so next week we are going to be reviewing matt's most anticipated movie of 2024 i think that's a false <laughs> I believe you told me this is a movie you you wanted to see more than anything. No, we're gonna review uh, Emma Stone's movie Poor Things. It's you know it's talked about in the in the theater. It's been talked about in the circles for, to be a part of the award things. We'll we'll see why <laughs> early reviews. You know, I don't know, man, but we'll we'll see. You, it's gonna be. A, I, not, I feel like it's gonna be a thing that we watch. It's, it's kind of where I'm at with it. it. You're not jazzed up. That's I think it's very clear about it, it's weird. But I, I I have been wrong before, and I am always happy to admit when I am wrong. So if we're gonna put things in perspective, Ernesto, we have the the Iron Claw that we just reviewed, right? The critics give it an eighty nine percent, with the audience giving it a ninety three percent. So very high for the Iron Claw. For poor things, the audience the critics gave it a ninety three. And the audience gave it an 81. Mm. So also very high. So but I have not, but, but reverse, yes, but still high. So I'm not saying that I am overly excited to watch this movie, but I am optimistic because it has been getting a lot of positive buzz. Um, it's uh, Emma Stone, uh, Willem Dafoe, and Mark Ruffalo. I honestly don't know what to expect from this movie. And I kind of want to leave it that way, because if it's going to be weird, at least leave all the weird in the theater. Um, and this is being looked at as a best picture contender, as is being uh, nominated for, you know, the best picture categories and the critics and the Golden Globe. So we'll see if, you know, I'll be quite surprised if this movie is not to our liking. And then this movie's being favored over, say, Iron Claw. Yeah, um, but that's not the only thing we're doing. For next episode, Matt. I think, you know, I look forward to this this show every year. Not Obviously, not poor things. Um, I'm talking about <laughs> we're going to be looking at the best and worst of 2023. Um, and then what, you know, what's to look forward to 2024? I mean, it's, you know, let's talk about everything we went through last year. And let's see what we're excited for next, for this for this year. So I'm always excited to have this conversation. Yeah, kind of plan, basically just, plan our schedule out for the year. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> uh, but it just it's it's such a I always also look forward to that episode because it kind of just in a year of review type of feel. Mm -hmm. It's like what what was the best stuff that we watched in 2023 or that year that we just experienced? And I feel like there's always stuff. And I, for me, the stuff that I always look forward to is like the things that I wasn't expecting to be so good. Mm. Like it's like that hit that it that moment that hits you that moment that surprises you you're like whoa that right there that was a masterpiece and I wasn't expecting that and I feel like we got a few of those in 2023 um, but we also got a few disappointing movies that we had high expectations for and just tanked correct uh, and so what and, are we talking about and this is the first year that I compiled my list from January all the way through December of 
of I did a you. So all my movies yeah. and TVs I watched, I wrote them as the year went on. I just mm-hmm. kept up. I just kept up with the list throughout the year. So, do you know what your number is? Out of curiosity, I'm not sure how you made your list, but do you do you have a number attached to it? It's, I don't have a number attached to it, but that is a good okay. addition for this year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so do you want to do you want to know how many things I watched? So, um, so can I guess? Just to put things in, yeah, you can guess. Yeah. Um, are we talking movies or TV or combined? So both. Both. It's both. Yeah. I'm gonna say 138. That's a lot more than that. <laughs> a lot more than that. <laughs> yeah. So so here here's how the list is devised. It's like it's not just the things that came out this year. Uh, it's okay. Any it's anything that I had watched. Like I I have like different emojis to you know like. I have like a popcorn emoji if I watched in the theater. I put the year next to it if it came out in 2023. So like I know when we're doing our list and our recap for next week's episode, it's easy for me to pick out like which movies came out that mm. year. Um, because I don't, I don't, I'm not going to put down movies I've seen for the first time. Uh, like on, on our like best of 2023 list because those movies came out like a long time oh, ago. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but like and like even if I rewatched a movie, it's on the list again. Like anything that I watched oh, is on there, okay. and a TV a TV show season counts as one. Mm, I get that. So like when like for for example like Barry, I watched seasons one through four. I, that's all one tab, even though that took up a lot of my time. That still counts as one because it's there. Yeah. But like the Bear season two counts as one as well. Mm. So so with that, I'll give you one more one more guess. You said it's much higher, so I'm gonna mm-hmm. say. 375 307 Ooh, wow which which was much lower not much lower but it was like 50 lower than what it was last year you're a busy man man a busy man now so there you go this if that's any indication to go by yeah. <laughs> uh but yeah i very much looking forward to next week episode 201 what a what a way to cap off what what, what a way, well what a way to ring off the the new year of 2024 with episode 200 with a great movie in there as well. I look forward to it's another 200 with you, sir. Another 200. And I'm pretty sure it's going to happen. It'll happen. Yeah. I have a good feeling about it. And also just in general, like I feel like this year specifically as we're entering year four, we're already making a lot of changes to the show oh, in of I itself. Mean, compared to our first episode. Compared Yikes. to our first episode. <laughs> yes. Come um, a long way. I mean, right now. <laughs> For people who are watching, you can see that there's already a new mic here. I have a new board that I'm working with right now that I'm just showing up to the Ooh, camera as well. Um, there's this ring light here, and this and and that's on a, a camera that's on a tripod that's new that I haven't used before. Thanks to Megan for a Christmas gift because she said that the camera looked like shit and she wanted to make it better. So glad that so, I'm so glad that she's there. I'm just <laughs> just it just makes me happy that she's there. <laughs> she's she's looking yeah, out. She's looking she, out for she definitely sure. Definitely is. Um, so we're trying to up the production value. If you're following us on our social media channels, which you can follow us all social media channels on our Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok page at Box Office Bingers, our X and Letterbox page at Box Office Binger, and our Instagram and Threads page at Box Office underscore Bingers. If you're following us on any one of those social media channels, you're already going to know that there are differences being made to the graphics that you see in the reviews. Uh, Ernesto's posting reels on there, kind of little snippets of the episodes that we have here. So you guys 
can get a little bit of taste and maybe encourage you to listen to the whole thing if you're not already doing so. Or if you don't have the time, you get a little fun little conversation that we're having in this podcast. It's all on our social media channels. We're making big changes, and we hope we can continue to do so in the year 2024. Uh, because after four years, you know, sometimes it's nice to have a little bit of a refresh. Yeah, yeah, a little bit of growth. <laughs> a little bit of growth here. And so, and also after four years, I feel like this is something that we're sticking with it. So I might as well put some put some more production value into it, maybe a little bit of a change, see how it works out. And I think so far our changes are working out pretty good. I agree, sir. I agree. Looking forward to another 200 more. I can't agree more. Can't wait for more. And I can't wait for next week and episode 201 and then 202 and then and then 203 and then, and then the rest that follows after that. Um, I look forward to a great 2024. I hope everyone had a happy new year, ringing it strong. And uh, the award scene's upon us, so get ready for more <laughs> awards. Matt, Matt's talk. detective work, uh, <laughs> I, and my detective work. The the Oscar nominations are dropping at the end of January, and that's when Matt turns into Sherlock Pretty Holmes, much. and he's gonna. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we're also just trying to get ahead of it too, so maybe the detective work can be less. I'm doing now. I'm doing more detective work to see what might be nominated, and then I have to do more detective work when the nominations are yeah. out, so we can find the stuff that we didn't get before. So it's been a fun ride. It's always a good yeah. time. And that makes the Oscar conversation so much worth it when we get there in like the end of February. Uh, but anyway, thank you each and every one of you for listening to us. Just talk about movies and have fun doing it. Um, come back next week for more movie fun. You're not going to regret it. And for that, I've been your host, Matt Diaz. And Ernesto Santos. See ya.